0: Hello and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Hey uh, good morning church. How's everyone doing today? Good? Blessed? We like it? Hey we had a fun day yesterday. I just want to Two quick words, 5K yesterday morning, um, and for those of you who signed up and then didn't do it because it was raining, come on, it was so much fun. Well, we we went in the rain and it was a it was a great time and it was a, it was a joy and so many memories were made and you're gonna see so many pictures coming out of that. Uh, we had some some photographers there capturing the capturing the moment. So uh, huge thanks to Sarah Sonnenberg and Cassie Flooring and others who coordinated that event. Yeah yeah, come on. Um, this is an equipping church, and the, the fact that we get to recognize, you know, Heather, commend you for all of your work with the DR and, and the whole Garretson family, and so many others, countless others, who are um, just just in their lane for the kingdom and just wanting to wanting to make Christ known in all areas. And it's it's a powerful thing, and uh, our city knows it. Our city knows that we are here, and uh, we want to honor them. Uh, another thing is our, our NYC. T- team is back as well, our our students. And so uh, they're in the road to recovery. And I know Justin was grabbing some testimony videos this last week before he headed out on vacation. And so um, I'm sure those will will be coming up in the days ahead. Uh, With that, we ready for some preaching time? Is that all right? Okay. Uh, I've got less than an hour's worth of stuff. So we're going to get into it today. Uh, First, I want to know how many of you uh, are afraid of shadows. Maybe we're afraid when you were young or still are afraid of shadows. Do they freak you out? Do they, do they, are they spooky to you? Nobody. Everyone's just, they've got this. My kids are right now. My kids are are afraid of shadows and they are, uh, you know, you gotta go in and you gotta show them what it is, right? It's like, hey, the thing that's on your wall, it's this little thing here. If I move it, see how it moves? And and you, and you start to do that. I have a thing, I have a problem actually uh, I've got an issue at night um, that I, I think I see things when I wake up from a dead sleep. And so t- shadows and things trip me out. And when we first got married, uh, it freaked Kristen out. She thought there was an intruder in our house every single night because I thought there was an intruder in our house every single night. And, um, and I'm thinking, like, this: it's fight or flight, right? And, you, you know, you wake up and you think you see something. And now I pop up in bed and she's like... <laughs> She smacks me and I go back to sleep and doesn't even think anything out of it. So if we do have an intruder, we're in trouble. Um, uh, some of you sleep with like guns by your nightstand. There would be holes in our wall if I did that because we'd be shooting every little thing. And as we begin today, the, the Greek philosopher Plato, how many of you heard that name before? about 400 years before Christ, had this powerful allegory with regards to shadows. Shadows. It goes like this. It says, Once upon a time, there were several prisoners who had spent their entire lives inside a dark cage, uh, cave. They were bound by chains, unable to turn their heads or move freely. The only thing that they could see were the shadows dancing on the wall in front of them. These shadows were cast by objects passing behind them. But the prisoners had never seen the actual objects themselves. One day, one of the prisoners was released from his chains and forced to turn around, facing the entrance of the cave. At first, the bright light from the outside world blinded him, and he was confused by the new sensations that he experienced. But as his eyes adjusted, he began to see the wonders of the world outside the cave. He saw the sunlight, felt the warmth, and marveled at the colors In the beauty of nature, he saw trees and flowers and animals and uh, things he had only imagined based on the shadows that he had seen in the cave. Overwhelmed with joy and curiosity, the free prisoner realized that his previous existence in the cave had was nothing but an illusion. Filled with a sense of duty and compassion, the freed prisoner returned to the cave to share his newfound knowledge with the others. However, when he tried to explain the world outside and the true nature of reality, the prisoners dismissed him as a madman. They were comfortable with their familiar surroundings and found it difficult to accept anything beyond the shadows that they had grown accustomed to. Despite their skepticism, uh, the freed prisoners persisted Trying to help them break free from their chains and discover the truth, he encouraged them to turn around and to face the entrance of the cave and step into the light and embrace the reality that existed beyond the shadows. But sadly, most of the prisoners were too fearful and chose to remain in their dark confinement. And while Plato's allegory was this powerful metaphor for his day of the human condition, Paul uses these words in our passage today. You see, the reality of shadows is that they distort things, they enlarge or diminish things, they are, they're fleeting, they're grasping, they're, they can't be held. Shadows are only a placeholder of something else, a projection of something else, a partial image-bearer of, of a substance, a 2D image. And so today in, in Colossians 2, the the church, Paul, Paul's letter today, um, they would have been very familiar with uh, this, this philosophical allegory, their quest for knowledge in, 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 in religion. It was, it was mainstream to the philosophies and religions of the day, and so Paul used this, this in, in his passage today. And, and uh, before we begin, I just want to pray over our time together um, as we dive into the word. Father, we, we, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you for um, the power, the transforming power that's found in your word, and we pray and we ask that you would be in our midst. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pure in your eyes, O God, we pray in Jesus' name. And so Colossians 2, starting in verse 16 today is where we are. I apologize, I didn't publish the Bible app, so. Uh, If you want to turn there, it's up on the screen here. Therefore, Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to the religious festival, a new moon celebration, or the Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. You see, Paul uses this well-adopted idea of shadows versus reality to encourage his people, to correct the believers who were once told that Christ was all that they need. But now there's this culture that's pressuring them and telling them that, no, it's, it's, it's not just Christ that's all you need, but it's something else. And he says, why are you doing this? You see, we had the Old Testament who said that it was, uh, it was works. Works were the placeholder, the shadow of what was to come, who is Christ, right? And so then when Christ comes, we says, hey, Christ is the means to salvation, Right? we preach this we talk about this all the time and so what was happening in the church then is outside secular influences philosophies and others were coming in and trying to influence the church saying saying it, it, it's Christ but like there's there's so much there's so much more to be learned right there's so much more and so this 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 intellectual philosophy that was disparaging them saying you s- simple christians that all you think is salvation is by means uh, of Christ and Paul is frustrated for them. He's saying, "No, don't don't fall into the temptation that it's that it's Christ plus again. It's, it's, it's Christ. Christ is all sufficient, right?" And so we uh, uh, last month I preached on Colossians one, this beautiful poetic uh, section in the halfway through uh, the first chapter, where he where he talks about who Christ is, the um, firstborn of the invisible God uh, of all creation, and all of these things. And so now, and so now he, he's, he's getting into it a little bit more, right? Same, same letter that we've been walking through for the last couple of months. And he begins with, therefore, don't let them judge you by these external indicators. Once used by the Jews as a sign of righteousness. In the Old Testament, food and drink, they were indicators of, uh, of things. It was to separate the pure, it was to keep uh, the Israelites pure, consecrated, for Christ, or for the coming Messiah, for, for the Lord. They were his people, and so the food, and the, the food regulations and all the other things were, um, were put in place so that they wouldn't wine and dine with others, that they would remain pure. And, and Christ comes, and he breaks that up, and he says, now be the salt and light. right? Go everywhere. Be a part of this, and it's no longer these things that separate you from the rest of the world, but now um, go and be And so Paul's rebutting these outsiders who are using these things to disparage the Christians. He says, listen, the the eating and the drinking and the festival keeping and the new moon celebrations and all these strict regulations of the Sabbath, they're now rules of the flesh. They're meaningless now. They're fleeting. You're grasping for them. Why are they meaningless? Because the real thing has come. Christ has come. Your righteousness is no longer based on your works for salvation by your own efforts, but Christ is the one who paid your tab. For the Jews, these shadows were the law. They simply, the two-dimensional version of what was to come, a vision, a version of that, that what what was ahead and they fully couldn't comprehend it and they thought they knew, but it was only a shadow of the reality that had now come. Is only meant to be a placeholder. And so now we have Christ, the reality of who Christ is. And so the gospel that Paul describes here cannot tolerate these practices that promote right relationship with God based on human effort. Our salvation is not by means of our work. We read that in other places and so we move on today. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility in the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their their spiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head, he says, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and snooze, grows as God causes it to grow. I know we all love self-righteous, self-appointed leaders, right, who have, who have attained a, a, a certain set of knowledge, and so they look, they look down in on a condescending way as if they're better. Paul's like, don't fall for that. That's so stupid. These are shifting shadows. The philosophies of the world, the things that, the, the things that Christ plus, all of these things are shifting. They're always shifting. And so if you're going to try to follow them, that you're severed from the head, You've lost track of who Christ is. You're like a chicken with your head cut off, literally, aimlessly, just running around. Because you've lost what uh, what gives you direction. You've lost connection. And so the the intellectually superior is who he's talking about. These self-appointed leaders of society were condescending towards the believers because they only had a simple gospel to grab onto, nothing more sophisticated than that. And so they were superior, they are self-righteous. And, and the problem with this is that it doesn't edify, it doesn't build anything up. All of these things were put into place in the secular culture were ultimately temptations to take their focus away from Christ, to chop off the head, and to allow us to be distracted with all of these other things. And so as I mentioned at the beginning, the Old Testament saw, saw works, the law as the placeholder, right, for salvation, right? We know that, right? That was, that was what Christ came to fulfill. And so he did that. And so now the equation, think of it this way. The law was this, works. It was a placeholder. It was the, it was the, the shadow for salvation and, and you had to cling to what was ahead, but, but it all it all had to do with human effort. And God did that because he knew that we could never Achieve that. It, points, it, it Sets our affections. It sets our sights towards what was ahead, the coming Messiah. And so now we have Christ in the old, in the New Testament. Christ equals salvation, right? And so we have this. We have this. Uh, this creeping influence in the in the life of the people in Colossae in the church, where um, they're being tempted to insert Christ plus works, Christ plus um, you name it, self-righteousness, the, the Christ plus the eating and the drinking and, and, and coming to church on Sunday and doing all these things. Now, don't get me wrong, we'll get into spiritual disciplines in a little bit. This, this is There's a rub here, right? There's a rub, and it was convicting to me. This week. I'm like, what about this, and what about this? And we spent eight weeks talking about spiritual disciplines, and there's a place for that. But this was in relates to the, uh, the bedrock, which is Our salvation is only built up in Christ, right? All of these other things are built upon that. But he is the cornerstone. He is the salvation. And so that's what we're talking about today. Judgment. We religious people like to put a high value on abstaining from certain things. I grew up in the church I am very grateful for that my There were times in my life I attended church. My heart was not a part of that. I came in here and I was a placeholder and and, and when you when your heart's not in it, but your mind's kind of still is, then you have this temptation to Become intellectually and moral, morally superior, right? And so, you know, growing up and like, ooh, smoking's bad, right? Drinking's bad. Like you, you start to become, you become a whatever. And 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 so for me, the 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 things we do. And and I I, I remember, um, I remember moving out to Colorado, and this passage has convicted me. Um, from the judgmental standpoint, it's purified me because I, I, I look back to see how the Lord worked on me in this number of years ago, and as I think through, uh, um, I spent an, I spent ten, I spent a, uh, a year in Colorado about ten or eleven years ago, and. Uh, Went out to a preview weekend with my, with my mom. I think I've shared this before. And the way that the Lord just kind of worked over and over and over again, it was just, it was just a miracle. And we sat by this, this couple, and um, they, they sensed the need to keep up with me. And so anyways, fast forward, I become like their host son, okay? Um, parent, the, the, the couple, they're like my parents' age. A little bit older, they, they had three sons. They, uh, they were empty nesters now. So I was like the fourth son in, in here, and so it was really cool. And when I got there, I found out that, uh, uh, and they were worried about it, but um, Jim, the dad, he, he smoked. And for me, it was like, whoa, I, don't, I didn't know that that, you know, you know, we know about like the temp, your body being a temple and all of these other things. And I was the Lord was working on me to break down all these other things. And, 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 as, I, and as He worked on me, I began to see past just this, this silliness of, of all of these other um, Christ plus things that we put in as a means of like, well, is this guy like legit? I tell you what, I never heard the man gossip I never heard the man slander I never heard the man the the man was the way he prayed the way he the way he led his home the way he um conducted his affairs and was a business leader and was a all of these other things um he knew he wanted to quit and it was a thing but and I hope I'm not getting off track today but for me that was the that was the realization of oh wow then there's little things that Christ needs to peck away at you because you just have this moral superiority of thinking that salvation is, is Christ plus good behavior and, 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 or, or Christ plus certain actions and certain things. And, and man, he just like started breaking that, that away. Um, and this is the heart of what, that, of what Paul is saying here is, is Christ plus anything, Sabbath keeping, honoring the Sabbath, It's Christ plus never missing a Sunday, right? I grew up in a culture where I, if you go to church 52 Sundays a year, you're good. That's not true at all. Because I know people that are in in church every single Sunday, and I have yet to see the fruitfulness of God in their life. And so, okay, that's not it. Jesus plus the, the worship of angels, Jesus plus, special visions, all of these other things Paul is just pecking away at, saying it's not Christ plus, it's, it's the all-sufficiency of Christ that leads to salvation. And anything else you put on someone, anything else that you allow culture to put on you as, as a Christ plus, you're missing the mark. And you're watering down, you're pulling Christ down on par with all of these other things and now it's about you again. It's about you and your own efforts. It's about you coming to church. It's about you uh, abstaining from things. It's about you doing this, that, and the other, and it ceases to be about Christ. It says, keep the main thing the main thing. And so the worshiping of angels at the time, many believed that these angels were involved in the creation of government of the world, and so they, they worshiped them as a linker and intercessor. And so they pulled Christ down from his, his, his rightful place, and, the, and, and people would commonly call on angels to protect them and to help them and to bring success to businesses and destroy enemies and to remove illness. And their hope was displaced, right? Because not, what they were essentially saying it says Christ isn't sufficient. We also need angels too because we don't truly believe in the all-sufficient power of Christ to do these things for us. But we need something else. We need that, that plus one. I personally, I struggle right now. Um, I don't know, I'm just gonna say this. So these people, their hope shifted from the substance that was in Christ to other things. Today, many people in our culture, I don't believe, fully believe in the power of prayer. And I see this, I know that there's innocence in this, but the the phrase good vibes, this idea that we emote emotional um, vibrancy towards someone else, sending prayers and good vibes, it's one of those things that we've adopted from culture, and it's 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 just tainted a little. It just doesn't have a good. It's like prayers plus, right? Prayer to Christ plus. I mean, moting good vibes to you as well. This 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 new agey kind of whatever. And I I understand that that's not how many intend, but that's the point. Is it is it infiltrates? It penetrates, and you start to think through like. You know what's that? What does that even mean? Why, not just, why, why don't you just pray? Why don't you just pray with them? Why don't you just call them and pray for them? You know, but we, we have a, a need to, to add things uh, sometimes. And in essence, the believers in Colossae were being pressured to pray to Jesus plus something else. Something non-living that, that, could, couldn't, that could intercede just in case Jesus doesn't come through. Here's the angels. Just in case Jesus doesn't come through, we also send you good vibes so you feel good with it. And we water down the power that is the gospel. I will forever remember Dave when he installed me. Preach Jesus. Don't get involved with all the other stuff. Preach Christ. Preach him crucified, raised to life, seated at the Right hand of the Father. And so we move on, the last little bit here. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Tisk, 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 right? Don't handle, don't touch, don't taste. All the rules. These rules, which have to do with the things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom and uprightness when I do or don't do certain things. But their their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their, their harsh treatment of the body but they lack any value of restraining sensual indulgence. At the end of the day, they're nothing but philosophies. It's not the power of Christ in you. It's your own effort. It's what it's saying. These regulations, skip to the end, lack any value in restraining. Why? Because we were never meant to do it on our own. We are always meant to do it through him who gives us strength, Right? And so these rules and regulations, these add-ons have the appearance of wisdom, but they're foolish at the end of the day. And he says, quit. Stop it. The crucified yet alive Messiah doesn't just point us towards ultimate reality. He actually is the ultimate reality. It's no longer shadow, it's substance, right? I think of this, it's like, my wife being in the home gives me a sense of peace. Hearing her footsteps, uh, a shadow on the wall, her coming, but there's no substitute for her embrace, the actual thing itself. Does that make sense? And he's saying, like, don't, don't, don't just live for these other things now. Live for the reality which is here, which is Christ. That's what you live into. My prayer for this church is that we might be unified in the pure gospel of Christ. That we wouldn't lose our way with a prosperity gospel or a social gospel or a works-based gospel or a moral gospel or all these hyphenated gospels that exist. Um, that that in, unless you uh, you know unless you do this, you're not fully saved. You know unless you uh, you know if 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 you don't have health and wellness, maybe maybe you're not saved after all. If you if you're not fighting for the certain things, then maybe you're not safe after all. If you don't do these things. And, and stand upright and, and, and check off the box and believe this thing, then, then maybe you're not saved out, you're, you're less than. And the point is, there's always a tendency to strive, because we live in a, in a, in a place where we, when it's works-based, right? right? You, 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 that's capitalism, that's, that's all of these things. Individualism, that's a, you know, we allow that to infiltrate our, our view, our worldview, our, our scriptural view, Right? Because we, we love our independence. So you can come up. Um, our flesh likes the sound of these things because it requires something of us work, something we can earn. And the frustrating piece of that for some of you is that it can't be earned, the ledger was paid off. and you have to rest in the knowledge, the wisdom, that Christ is all sufficient. So I know what you're thinking, maybe some of you, right? What what about the spiritual disciplines? What about all these things? These are important. You have to do these. They say these. Paul, Paul talks about it. Guess what? Come back next week because he moves there but our bedrock foundation is Christ. Full stop. All of the other things, all the righteousness, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control, all of these things are built up on Christ as our salvation. Nothing plus. And Paul wants you to just rest in that. So stop striving for your own salvation. Stop striving in your own effort. Release it. Because if Christ equals salvation, then there's a byproduct there. We know this byproduct. He reiterates it right here. For by grace you have been saved through faith, And that not of yourself, but is a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Read the next verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk with him. Because salvation in Christ is what leads to Christ-likeness and fruitfulness and transformation but it's not on our own efforts it's the infilling power the spirit within us right as we die to ourselves daily something else must take take its place who is the head is Christ the head or has that been severed by our own ambitions our own and i think in our own lives it's it's a te- we have a tendency to think these like the kind of karma whatever of man I'm a good person I did this I did that I thought I'd get a little kickback here the economy doesn't work like that I'm sorry this isn't a works-based economy this is the economy of God with Christ as our head this is the kingdom so I want to stand today Would you stand? What are the shadows that you've allowed to creep in? Yeah, I know it's about Christ, but what what more do you feel like you need to do to earn it? Because all you have to do is to live into it. Like, hey, you're an heir. Quit living like a slave. Live into your rightful rightful place in my kingdom as son and daughter, not slave. You're out of the cave now. Don't walk back in. Don't add something else into it. There's freedom to be grasped here, right? So what are the shadows? I pray that you would seek that this week. What are the shadows? The pluses, the things Would you reveal those to us, oh God? Forgive us, Lord, for making it more about just you. But these things, the beauty that's found in the byproduct of our sonship, our daughtership, is in you. Christ-likeness, fruit of the Spirit, transformation. It's just the overflow, God. I want to end with just a simple chorus this morning. We remind ourselves. Come back. Come on. So let this be a prayer today. It's all about you. It's only Him. It's all about you. Christ is our head. Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I
1: made. We repent, oh God.
0: When it's all It's all about you, one more, one more. Just tell him, remind him today. I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. It's all. About you, Jesus. And so, Father, you, you wash us pure as snow. That's the atoning power of Christ crucified. And so we receive that once and for all, Christ died. Once and for all, not over and over again. Once and for all was sufficient. And so strip us of our pride, thinking that we need to add something more to the cross. But may we begin to live in to the freedom that's found in Christ. The joy, the freedom of being in your word, of of praying, of of coming alongside, of of learning, of teaching, of equipping, it's all for the sake of to make, make Christ known, which is why we exist. And so Lord, I pray that as We are a sent people, God. Would we go in the reality of who you are, in the freedom that's found in Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name, all of God's people say amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday. The Lord bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.